You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. Everything we do in this moment, every choice we make is going to determine our life, our longevity. But like we all, we all have procrastinated. That was my story of my life with my sugar addiction. But procrastination is the killer of dreams. We just got to commit. Even if it's one thing, Martin, even if it's just one green juice, we have to start right now. Draw that line. Step up the standards. That was Dr. Daryl Joffrey. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, everyone. Welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Get ready for an eye-opening, game-changing conversation today about sugar, why, and how to drop it from your diet. And no, I'm not perfect. When it comes to sugar, you may have heard me mentioning chocolate, gels, and snacks on the pod. But this conversation has really got me rethinking my diet. Don't worry. You don't have to give it all up or get rid of everything you love. Just listen. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Daryl Joffrey. He is a celebrity nutritionist and the author of best-selling books, Get Off Your Acid and Get Off Your Sugar. He is the founder of Alchemine Supplements, a board-certified chiropractor, Reiki master, and founder of the Joffrey Wellness Center in New York City and Newport Beach, California. Dr. Daryl Joffrey is a world-renowned pioneer in health and wellness, an expert in the alkaline diet, and a huge proponent of intermittent fasting. He is one of the most highly sought-after longevity experts, using a totally cutting-edge approach to nutrition, helping his patients fight inflammation, and achieve and maintain optimal levels of health and energy. During our conversation, Daryl shares his transitional journey from being a sugar addict to a world-renowned nutritionist specializing in helping others kick their sugar cravings. He gives us startling statistics, like how sugar is eight times more addictive than cocaine, and that the average American eats 17 times a day. Daryl and I sync up about his proven process of kicking sugar addictions. He tells us all about the science of what sugar actually does in the body and the chronic diseases that it causes. Daryl also shares his love of intermittent fasting and why it is ideal for burning fat. Daryl and I sync up about the wellness and exercise routines that fuel him for success as well as the logistics as to how he fits both exercise and intermittent fasting into his schedule. You may have seen him on Live with Kelly and Ryan, The Doctors, Extra, E! News, or maybe you read about him in People Magazine, Vogue, Us Weekly. Today, you get to listen to him here. And if you haven't seen our new YouTube channel, there's a link for the visually inclined. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. Head over to the Apple app, Click on Marnie on the Move, scroll through the episodes, click on five stars, and click on leave a review. Tell us what you love. Also, share this episode with your friends. Tell them what you love. 
about this conversation wherever you like to share on social, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, tag Marnie on the move and we'll tag you back. And don't forget, sign up for our newsletter, The Download. Now, on to our conversation with Dr. Daryl Joffrey. Daryl, it is so great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for being here. Oh my God, such a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for having me. This is great. And I'm loving your new book, Get Off Your Sugar, and your great protein powder, which I've been using in all of my smoothies since I got it, which it's really great. I love that you have Sacha Inchi as one of the ingredients. Before we dive into your book and all things Dr. Daryl Joffrey, where did your journey into health and wellness begin? Well, you mentioned sugar. I was massively addicted to sugar for as long as I can remember, literally going back to age five. So that was always like my skeleton in the closet. But when you're young, you, you don't think you have an issue. You don't think you have a problem. Um, it shows itself in different ways. You know, as a kid, I would get chronic ear infections. Um, you know, our parents just did what their doctors told them to do at the time, right? So, I, I mean, I remember um, my dad even giving me like these little yellow and blue pills, which was amoxicillin, which is an antibiotic, like right. it was a Tylenol, right? Like we didn't know how bad those things were back then, how it just destroys your body and your microbiome. You know, this was kind of how my childhood was. I was always an energetic kid, you know, skinny, running around. In high school, I, I uh, you know, I was I was really into soccer, but I was getting horrific acne as a child. Uh, as a child, you know, it's so like one problem led into the next problem, but we didn't know what it was. The doctors just treated the symptoms, and I'll never forget the day my mom took me to a dermatologist and had all these black spots. It was like a melasma, and I actually uh, uh, posted an interesting video about melasma yesterday. Such an interesting topic because the skin yeah. is your third kidney, it's the largest detox organ of the body. But the doctor gave me bleach, and every night I would go home, I would have like 40 spot white spots on my face of bleach to bleach the spots out. But again, we never addressed the reason why that symptom was there in the first place. And, and we didn't um, know back then that sugar was bad for you. I mean, nobody knew. I, I, my mother knew. did the same thing. She fed me like cocoa. She's going to listen to this and be so pissed. But like <laughs> I ate like Frankenberries for breakfast every day. Yeah, that was my favorite. Yeah. And listen, it wasn't their fault. It was not no. their fault. You know, I would eat. I talk about this in the book. I would eat Honey Nut Cheerios was one of my favorite. I love Lucky Charms. Yes. Funny Lucky Charms story. But for every spoonful of Cheerios, I would eat a spoonful of white sugar one for one. Um, and I remember years later when I was trying to get off my sugar, I was reading this book, Sugar Blues. Great book, old school book, but I had a box of Lucky Charms in my hand with the other book in the other hand. Oh my so God. to this day, my older brother still calls me Sugar Blues. But um, in college, I went to Boston College. I played soccer there. At the time, I was also playing for the under 20 national team. It was the only thing I cared about at the time. I was pre-law and I had a minor in Spanish as well. I didn't know what I wanted to do. My brother was a lawyer. My uh, uncle was a lawyer. So I'm like, okay, I'll just do pre-law because, hey, I had to declare a major. And then my senior year, right at the beginning of the soccer season, I had a really bad injury. It just took me out. And I was in Boston. I went to about seven different doctors because the first doctor said, you're done. You're not going to play again. So, of course, I didn't listen to that doctor. I went right. to the next doctor. I was basically shopping the top doctors in Boston until I found one that said, hey, I can help you and you'll be back on the field next week. Never happened. So on Doctor 7, I finally like started getting really depressed. I started to think that this was in my head. And then my dad literally dragged me to his chiropractor. And I wasn't going to those guys. You know, I heard all the different stories. Once you go to the chiropractor, you got to go the rest of your life, yada, yada, yada. But I had nothing to lose, you know. So I went. And that moment changed my life. I look back on that soccer injury. It changed my life because I would not be here talking to you if that injury didn't happen. 
Um, what amazed me about that chiropractor was he didn't put anything in my body. He didn't take anything out of my body. He looked far enough you know, upstream for the underlying reasons why my body had that severe pain. And he did a chiropractic adjustment. Then he did the second one. And literally, Marnie, two weeks later, I was back on the field playing soccer. Blew my mind away. So I decided to become a chiropractor. So I went from pre-law to pre-med my senior year, took all the, the, you know, the science classes that I hated, and I became a chiropractor. And that's when the journey began. But the journey really didn't begin because I had my addiction to sugar. You know, again, I was now in my early 20s. So anyway, fast forwarding um, over the years of my 20s, you know, I would be the doctor, the shoemaker with no shoes. I would tell my patients, don't eat sugar. I'd be in the back office eating a Nestle's Crunch Bar, drinking Coca-Cola. Right. It was an addiction. You know, we have to understand that sugar is more addictive than cocaine, eight times more addictive. It's a drug. It's not a food. I it's America's it. drug of choice. Yeah, yeah it, it is. So um, it got to the point where I gained 42 pounds more than I am today. Um, I had a lot of willpower, you know, got me through my day. But at the end, I just had no gas in the tank. Um, and, you know, the years of that stacking of all that sugar abuse was caught up with me. And finally, you know, the straw broke the camel's back. I was leaning down to adjust the patient and my pants split right down the backside because I didn't buy bigger pants, but my waist got bigger. So that was the moment where I, I finally just realized that, you know what, you got to stop. You, you got to start to be a role model for yourself and just as important for the people that you're serving. And that's when the whole journey started, which I'm excited to talk about. But um, that's when I got off my sugar. I got off my acid. And um, I changed the entire approach, not about deprivation, it was about the adding at that point. So yeah, talk to me about your approach to getting off sugar, because I think that's a big part. That's the entire concept of your yeah. book, pretty much with a lot of bells and whistles and, you know, advice and insight beyond just getting off your sugar. But like, tell me about yeah. your philosophy and approach around this. I think the biggest problem I see people try to do, and this was how I live my life for most of my life, is when they want to quit sugar, they stop cold turkey. Listen, it's a very noble approach, but it just doesn't will work. Willpower can get you started, but it's not enough to keep you going because, again, sugar is that addictive. It literally lights up those dopamine receptors in your brain. So even when you try by willpower, it's really, really hard. So I ditched that approach. and It was incredible. Um, I'll tell you how I did it, but within three weeks, my cravings for sugar were gone. I'm talking about a lifelong addiction. And then fast forward about three and a half months, just under four months, I dropped 42 pounds as a byproduct of starting to change the way I ate, the things that I drank, the way that I lived my lifestyle. It started with the green juice. You know, that around that time was when I learned about the alkaline diet. Right now, to this day, the core of what I call a strength eating diet is green juice. You know, if you're gonna add one thing, I get this all the time, like what's the one thing, I, if you're gonna pick one thing that I should add, what would that be? it would be a green juice because green juice is chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is a, a powerful blood cleanser, a blood detoxifier, liver detoxifier. It alkalizes your blood. It oxygenates your cells. I mean, literally the list goes on and on and on. So I started adding, again, I ditched that deprivation mindset, Marnie, because right. every time I tried to remove, I would get two weeks, two months, I would just bounce back even worse. So I started with the green juice every single morning without fail. But the crazy thing was when I woke up, I would drink the green juice. It literally tasted like swamp water. It was disgusting yeah. to me. Why was that? It wasn't because the green juice was really nasty because my taste buds were so you know used to sugar and all the things I was eating. I had leptin and insulin resistance. So I just powered through it because I knew it was right for me. And as I started doing this day in and day out, about 10 days later, I'm like, you know what? This isn't that bad anymore. Now, the green juice didn't change. My body started changing. Your taste, Your buds, taste buds roll over yeah. every 
you got it. You nailed it right there every 14 days. So it started getting better and I actually started craving it. And then around, and I just started adding from there. One green juice became two green juices. I started adding a salad. I started bouncing on a rebounder, a really powerful way to do lymphatic drainage to help your body detoxify and move the lymph where your body's trapping in all these acids and toxins. And it was incredible. Three weeks later, around that time, my energy was up. My weight was down. My digestion was better. I was like, everything was, was right. And I'm like, there's something about this. And there was no way I was going back. I have my own exact experience like that, but it was not revealed that I was detoxing from sugar. It was almost like a trick. So I 100% am on board with your approach and philosophy and it 100% works. So when I first started doing triathlons, I had like just started really getting into like training and Mm -hmm. I was friends and had worked with a nutritionist at the time and she noticed that I had a lot of food allergies. And so she started like, you know, not really telling me, but like getting me off of certain foods. Like whenever we would spend time together, she would have me eat certain things. And I wasn't eating a lot of greens. Like I can tell you my diet, awful. But I, she slowly, slowly got me into eating greens. And I didn't, she never, like she never said like, don't eat chocolate, don't eat sugar, don't do this, don't I just, it was like this green infusion into my life. And I had never liked eating salad or greens before. And it was suddenly like I couldn't get enough of them. I did this massive detox from just generally what I was eating. And I lost weight, not intentionally. I stopped eating sugar. I mean, it wasn't my intention. <laughs> I just didn't crave it anymore. But it was, it was definitely, you know, I'm back. I've been eating sugar you know, during the past year, during COVID, I don't feel like I have a problem with it. I'm sure I do. You know, it's the chocolate (laughs) that kills me and the creamer. But anyway, so continue your story because I concur. Your process and philosophy works. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so interesting that you say that because this is what we've been seeing over the last year. I mean, you know, we're still in the uncertainty of this pandemic. And let's rewind uh, to back, you know, February, March of last year, when this pandemic happened. We were blindsided by this pandemic, Marnie, as we all know. And, you know, no one knew that this was coming. Um, and then we had that quarantine slapped upon us. I know in New York City, where we both are, it was pretty crazy early on. Yeah. Um, but that's what happened. Most of us crawled into our foxholes and we didn't come out and we started stress eating. Right. But think about stress eating. What does that mean? Like, what are the foods that we go for? It's the comfort foods, but those foods don't comfort us at all. You know, they actually add more stress to our system, more stress to our bodies, more stress to our energy, more stress to our hormones, not just the short run, but the long run. In fact, they even called it what the COVID-19, yeah. the quarantine 15, <laughs> yeah, as exactly. far as the weight gain. Yeah. And I, I just read a study this morning showing that over the last year, the life expect this is crazy. The life expectancy from one year of us living in this pandemic has actually reduced by one full year from 78.8 years to 77.8 years. That's an insane jump. Why is that? Because of the stress, the stress eating. And when this thing happened, it just took over so many. But here's the thing. It's like most of my clients who who were strength eating, that were exercising and managing the stress, not letting the stress manage them, you know, they walked into this pandemic, or I should say they ran into this pandemic, and they tended to fare so much better. Why was that? Because they were prepared. They anticipated, which they didn't know was going to happen, just anything can come our way. So um, 
we always got to be ready. I think that's the lesson. And the, be the bigger lesson is, is that no matter where we're at right now, we can always get back on course. It doesn't matter what you're, what, health cards you've been dealt, what age you are, it's all not that too doesn't late. matter. We got to yeah. control. It's never too late. It's never too late to get off your acid. Um, as I say, but here's the thing is don't overcomplicate it. You know, my approach, I was an extremist. It was always like all or none. And that was a big issue. It's like, if you're waiting for perfection, guess what? Sabotage never going to happen. So again, that was something that I ditched. And I just said, I need to change this approach. We all know what insanity is. It's doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result where right. the results weren't going to be different unless I changed my approach. So that's why I just said, you know, I'm just going to do one thing. I'm going to just do it really well. Um, I'm not going to say I'm not going to eat chocolate. So that's how I did it. it. It took a little bit longer, but guess what? Here I am now years and years later and it sticks. It lasts. That's the thing. So many people live this dreaded yo-yo where they get on and here we are in February, but look at January. January 15th, this is the crazy stat. The research shows that 92% of people who set New Year's goals and New Year's resolutions fail. It's crazy. So why is that? Because they associate making healthy transformation, healthy change with deprivation, with pain. Right. You know, I got to. And they set unrealistic goals. It's unrealistic. And you know, no one likes to remove. It's not good for our psychology. Before we even start the seven steps in 21 days in the book, what I do is I, I have to set the framework about why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and I'm gonna tell you that 20% of success in anything you do, especially with your health and changes you wanna make, it's the strategy, that's only 20%. We can teach everybody that. But here's the thing, 80% is your psychology. It's your purpose, it's your why. So when the you know what hits the fan, it's like you have that wherewithal, that purpose, that resolve, that passion to get through it or find a way around it. That's what we need to do. So we start with seven days of basically teaching people how to detox your mind, figuring out what your why is and your purpose and your and, and things like that, um, your outcome. We talk about detoxing your pantry. And then we do a three-day detox, which is really not that hard. On day one, you're like excited to start. Day two, you're like, oh, and then day three, you're over, right? right. But we need to <laughs> detox the body to prepare that vessel for all the goodness that's about to come. And then we start with that ad approach. And it works. And here's the best thing. It doesn't matter what your health philosophy is. You could be keto. You could be paleo. You could be vegan, vegetarian. No matter what it is, this is about fitting this into your lifestyle, not the way, other way around. So now, like you talked about cold turkey, like quitting cold turkey earlier when we were talking. And I feel like, you know, now that you've just kind of explained your philosophy, it's not about just getting rid of everything and stopping. But can you continue to have some sugar in your diet once you go through this detox program or you can't even have a little because it's like heroin, basically. I mean, if you have a little, you said it sets off the dopamines and then you're back on the same program. So does your body respond the same way to having a little sugar as it does to having a lot of sugar? I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenal question and it really depends on where you're at. If I look at myself when I was massively addicted to sugar, you know, if I was eating processed sugar, that was obviously feeding, feeding the fuel, it was gasoline on the fire because 90% of my diet was actually pure acid, pure, pure acidity. But obviously now, you know, 90% of my diet, I'm strength eating, I'm alkalizing. So if I want to indulge a little bit, I'm fine with that. Here's the thing, Marnie, is that the food doesn't control me anymore. Right. Back then I was controlled because it literally was a drug. I mean, this is this is wild, is that the average American eats about 17 times a day, and that's a stress-eating diet. That's a sugar, carb, I call it crappy carbs, C-R-A-P, yeah. completely refined and processed. So when you're dumping these carbohydrates, these fast-burning carbs into your body, 
your body's going to use that for fuel. Right. So what happens is you burn off the sugar because the body always wants to burn the sugar off first because it's bad. It wants to get it out. Even your brain. There's a lot of doctors and nutritionists out there that say, oh, your brain needs glucose. No, it doesn't. Sugar is not an essential fuel. Your brain will burn it off first because it wants to get rid of it. But the preferred source of fuel is fat. But the goal is metabolic flexibility where we can actually your body's in such a healthy state. It knows when it needs to use sugar for right. fight or flight, and it knows when it needs to use fat, which is ultimately the most we want to use. But again, when someone's really addicted to sugar, um, adding any form of sugar is going to set them off more so. Now, there's different forms of sugar, right? Right. Not all sugars are created sugar. equal. <laughs> they're they're not at all, you know. So obviously, a banana is better than you know the white sugar, but banana still has sugar. So the other philosophy that I've adopted is you know good, better, best. So you mentioned chocolate before. Obviously, the worst chocolate, which I used to love, would be milk chocolate, right? So obviously, that's bad because it's loaded with sugar, artificial sweeteners, and milk and dairy and all that bad stuff. What would be a better option than that would be something like 100% dark chocolate. What would be a better or best option would be raw cacao. So you got to meet yourself where you're at, and it doesn't need to be perfect, but it needs to be better. Every day, you need to look at the foods you're eating. If you can make that specific food a better version of that food, guess what's going to happen? It's going to make you a better version of yourself. So I'll have a glass of wine with my wife or um, I'll, I'll indulge with something. But again, it's not going to set me off anymore because my body is in such a healthy state. It's not going to trigger that response. So it really depends on where you're at in the game. And you just got to kind of meet yourself where you're there and then just go from, go from there forward. I mean, and sugar is so bad for you, which we have said over and over in the last like 15, 20 minutes, right? But how do you mentally wrap your head around that for someone who like is like eating sugar here and there? And then how do you get past the cravings? How do you outsmart cravings? First, it's really about making people really aware of how much sugar they're, they're ingesting. You know, we have a sugar quiz in the book. We also have this exercise where you basically write down all the things you ate over the last 48 hours. I don't have them do it going forward because our human subconscious brain is going to always try to make it better. So we do it the last 48 hours. And people are amazed when I do this exercise with them because they don't realize how much sugar they're really eating. And it's not the sugars like kind of we're talking about that I was addicted to do or the Frankenberries and things like that. It, it's the sugar that snuck its way into your diet. And that's the problem. Sugar is hiding in almost every food. That's the crazy thing. It's in dairy. If you eat too much protein, it's in grains. Grains is a huge source. So we got to get off all the grains. And when you really become aware of how much sugar you're eating, you're like, wow, that's a lot more. So that's really the, the first step of where we start. You got to just become aware of it. And then it's having those craving busters or something to really stop that monster when it kicks off, because obviously you got to kill the monster while it's small. So there's a lot of different hacks we have in the book. A few of them that um, I'll share with you. One I love is the chia shot. It's something that I use for people who are also intermittent fasting. It's yes. a great way to cheat your fast. So you basically get six ounces of water, something like this right here two tablespoons of chia seeds. I love chia seeds. It's an ancient superfood. 50% omega-3 fats, 20% protein, high in fiber, high in minerals, the most important nutrient we need when we are craving sugar. Because ultimately, Marnie, it's a magnesium deficiency. Okay. That's why the first step in the book is to remineralize. So we'll do two tablespoons in the water, mix it up, 
let it sit for about five minutes, and then you drink that. So obviously it's not like maybe an exciting uh, uh, snack, but again, it's gonna suppress your hunger. It's gonna help your body move away from burning sugar as your primary source of fuel to burning fat. And it's gonna really give you satiety. It's gonna satiate you um, and really get you through. There's fiber in chia seeds, which helps Lots of fiber. your body digest. 100%, it, it helps the microbiome. And what the fiber does, which is why we gotta get these fiber-rich, slow-burning carbs, it slows down the metabolization of the sugar so you don't get that insulin spike. That's the key thing, like why is sugar so bad? It pumps insulin into the blood. And the research shows the more insulin we pump into the blood over the course of our lifetime, the less longevity we have, the sooner we die. So that's the goal of everything we do is not let that insulin get pumped into the blood. That's why I'm such a huge fan of fasting. So sugar, it affects our brains. It causes dementia. It affects our livers. It causes digestive issues. It's the microbiome. Why are we eating sugar? Like you mentioned, sugar has a big effect on the aging process. So the aging process is diabetes. It is dementia. It is all of these things. So, you know, how does it impact those diseases? So the first question is, why are we eating it? Because manufacturers want us to be addicted. They want us to be customers of what I call the sickness industry for the rest of our lives. And guess what? They're doing a pretty good damn job of that. And I guess we can go back to the 1960s and really blame the sugar industry because they manipulated studies that basically set this trend to what we're still seeing today. Uh, they paid off three Harvard scientists in the mid-60s to actually manipulate the studies showing that um, fat saturated fat, specifically something like coconut oil, right, um, is the actual cause of those diseases you're talking about. And what did we see? For the next literally 50 to 70 years, we saw no fat, low fat, and we're still seeing it to this yeah, day. Yeah. We're finally catching on that the ketogenic diet, if you do it the right way, is powerful and that we need to eat fat to burn fat and also to obviously make ourselves healthy. We all know that sugar love, I mean, that cancer loves sugar. Why right. is that? Because it requires sugar to be alive. It's something that I, I'm very passionate about. I lost my father a few years to, to cancer. And I'll never forget the day when, um, and I'm, I'm gonna tell the story of how he was diagnosed. It's the, it's the opening story in my first book, Get Off Your Acid, but you, won't, you wouldn't even believe the story was real. That's how crazy it was. But when I met them in the hospital, they did a, a PET scan once they learned that there was something in his digestive system going on. And I'll, what is a PET scan? They give you radioactive glucose. It's radioactive sugar because the cancer cell will soak up that sugar molecule 18 times more than a healthy cell to create energy ATP to fuel cancer. So you're feeding and there was this it. Big, yeah, exactly. You're feeding it. And there's this big glowing pink ball. So we got to get off sugar because that's what cancer loves. Healthy fats, cancer hates. That's the key thing. That's what the problem was, is that when they took out all those um, healthy fats that we now know are healthy, what happened? The food tasted like cardboard. So in came sugar to the rescue and they put sugar in everything, not just sugar, but artificial sweeteners, which I would submit is actually worse than sugar. Yeah. So for the past 50 to 70 years, you saw sugar do this. But what do we also see in direct proportion? Heart disease skyrocket, cancer, diabetes, metabolic syndrome and Alzheimer's, by the way, which is now the fourth cause of death in our country. And Alzheimer's, they're calling it type three diabetes of yes. the brain, insulin resistance of the brain, because that's, and that's something I would love to talk more about because what sugar does, it, hang, it hangs around, it attaches to protein, and it really causes something called glycation, which is just horrible for the body. So yeah, explain to me, talk to me more about that, because I think that that's a really interesting topic that isn't as 
you don't dive into it as much in your book, but you do talk about it a little bit. But talk to me about that. Yeah, I, that's another thing. I'm pat. I lost my godmother to Alzheimer's. It's it's really horrible. You know, growing up, I don't remember even hearing the word Alzheimer's. Now we're hearing dementia and Alzheimer's all the time. Yes. Uh, we have an incredible test that actually measures if you have any predisposition towards dementia. And what are we measuring? We're measuring one of the most important ratios in the body. It's the omega three omega six ratio. Omega threes are anti-inflammatory. Omega sixes are pro-inflammatory, and you need those to be in a one-to-one ratio. The average American has 19 times of these pro-inflammatory omega-6 fats. Those are the fats that kill you. We got to get more of the fats that heal you. So sugar does a lot of things, but one of the things it does when you're eating it on a regular basis, again, the average American eats 17 times a day. So that's the ultimate goal is going from 17 snacks and meals all the way to the under the end of the spectrum, which we call intermittent fasting. And there's right. a healthy way to get there. Um, but so when you're dumping all that sugar into the body, what happens is, is that your pancreas secretes more insulin. And I don't want to get too technical, but it secretes more insulin because insulin takes that glucose in your blood, the sugar, and its job is to transport it into the cell. But if you keep on dumping all this sugar in, eventually the cell gets full and it says, I can't hear you insulin. It's like back in like high school when you're in the yeah. smelly locker room, when you walk in, you're like, oh, that's gross. But then after like 10 minutes, you don't even smell it anymore because right. it gets used to it. So now the insulin keeps going up and going up. And what happens now is that you get more glucose in the blood. So eventually when there's a lot of uh, sugar hanging around in the blood in the body and there's too much protein or too many unhealthy fats, those two things, they do that. They basically bond together and the pro- it's called glycation. It's called ages advanced glycosylated end product. So basically it ages us when that happens. And here's the thing is when that sugar and protein molecule lock up, it cannot be undone. Right. It's like trying to unboil a hard boiled egg. It can't be done. So those plaques there, they cause oxidative damage. They basically rust and rot your body from the inside out. They they do it to your kidneys, your cardiovascular system, but they also cause placking in the brain. And that's why we're actually starting to see dementia in like people in their 20s. It's crazy. So inflammation of the brain is the cause of dementia, Alzheimer's, any brain uh, issue. And what's the primary cause of that? It's too much sugar in the diet. And here's the crazy thing. If you have a super pristine, clean diet, but you're eating too much animal protein, all right, because animal protein is okay, it's got to be in moderation. It's got to be the sideshow, not the main event. Because once the protein goes over 20% of your daily caloric intake, unless you're exercising or pregnant, then what happens? It turns to sugar in your body via the liver. It's called gluconeogenesis. So that's the biggest issue I see with people who are doing keto and paleo the wrong way. Right. They add the healthy fats, which is good, but then they eat too much protein. And then they'll, they'll get good changes in the beginning because anytime you change up your diet, just like exercise, you're going to get good results. Right. But eventually the body is like, wait a minute. And it actually used to it starts it. to dump sugar yeah. into the body. And then you start to store fat and you're wondering why I gained weight. And then the person says, keto didn't work. No, it works if you do it the right way. So speaking of keto and intermittent fasting, talk to me a little bit about intermittent fasting and what are some of the healthy ways to do it and ways that people can, because I feel like that is one way to sort of combat all of the disease that is caused by sugar beyond just not eating sugar in ways that you don't need to. But also, you know, intermittent fasting is just generally very healthy for everyone. I think there's nothing more powerful. It's it's my most favorite. I don't even want to even call it a biohack. It's a lifestyle for me. Um, and I'll I'll talk about the way we do it because you don't want to intermittent fast every day, right? Because eventually the body will body will go into starvation mode. So it needs to be um, a lot about changing it up. But 
Um, again, it's like, where are we at? When I was addicted to sugar, I was eating many, many snacks. And that's how you know you're addicted to sugar. It's like, can you go more than two or three hours without eating? At two or three hours, you'll start to get hangry, as they call it, right? Right. Uh, which I did. And you go for that because, again, you burn the sugar. You need to refuel the body. It doesn't work. When you're burning fat for fuel, I literally just – I did a 24-hour fast yesterday, which I do um, every every Wednesday. And I literally go all day. And it's not even like – it's not even a thought for me. But it took me time to get there. So here's how I suggest people do it. And here's why intermittent fasting is powerful, first and foremost. Um Look at our ancient ancestors. They weren't eating every two or three hours. The refrigerator was amazing for us, but the downside of the refrigerator was it made us get food or availability to food every couple of hours. So our ancient ancestors weren't doing that. They lived on feast and famine. Right. And that's the way our DNA was set up. And that's what we need to mimic, obviously, in a healthy way. So when you go and you do that fasting zone, minimum, you want to get a 12-hour fast in. Um, and that's easy to do or easier because you're sleeping most of the time. So right. let's say you finish you finish dinner at seven o'clock. You always want to have three or four hours, ideally, um, of no eating uh, after the last bite and then before you go to sleep. Okay. So that's a really important thing. That's what I call my three-hour rule um, because now you're not going to be digesting. You're going to be able to get deeper uh, REM states sleep. So you wake up feeling better. So then you you let's say you wake up at seven. That's twelve hours right there. You already got twelve hours where the body starts to metabolically burn fat instead of burn sugar because what happens is your body's burning off all the sugar and then as that fasting zone increases the goal if you're doing a typical 16 hour fast eight hour feast the goal is to get to 16 hours give or take um but the longer you go into that fasted state sugar levels drop because your body's burning it off it wants to get rid of it and then the glycogen stores where your body stores sugar in your liver and your muscles and this is why exercise is critical because your 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 muscles will store store sugar in every muscle so exercise is really the only way to really get it out of each of those individual muscles right so then what happens is the longer you go into that fasted state the body and the insulin levels drop now we need fuel we need energy we're not burning sugar anymore that's when the body goes into the stored fat and 95 percent of all the calories in your body are stored as fat that's why my favorite thing, you know, uh, Anna Kaiser is a very good friend. Yeah, of both she's of on ours. the podcast um, right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, this week. Right, yeah. Right. I mean, she is an acid kicker. I mean, she kicks butt more than anybody I know. Uh, I'll never forget when I was doing her class, she was eight months pregnant and I still couldn't keep up with her. Um, just just literally lives this lifestyle in every which way she walks the walk. But I love to basically um, work out right before I break my fast. Um, because when you work out right, be and it doesn't happen every day because my days are different when I'm seeing patients and things like that, but I'll definitely do this a few days a week. So let's say I'm going to break my fast at 12 o'clock or one o'clock. So now I got about 16 hours of that fast. Right. And by the way, in that zone, you can drink water, you can drink herbal tea, you can drink black coffee. Um, you can do our green powders because there's I was no going to ask you about that. Drinking coffee does not break your fast, but if I put creamer in it, it does. Yes. So, you know, creamer is obviously uh, fake creamer is what we're talking about. <laughs> so what I would suggest yes. everybody does, and this is why I created acid kicking coffee, because coffee is, listen, there's a lot of benefits to coffee. There's a lot of upside, but the one huge downside, it's loaded with acid and that alone can break, can break your, your fast. Right. So ideally organic coffee, ideally filtered water. I don't, like to support big brands out there, right. but something like Starbucks, they use reverse osmosis water. So I do appreciate that they do that. I don't think they use organic coffee beans. I don't know, but 
better to make your coffee at home where you can control these right. things. And then, you know, you add a scoop of that powder. Um, so now that it's cup of alkaline powder, is your alkaline powder, you we are going to yeah, talk about your product line, but they're I mean, in depth in a few minutes, but I your products are great. So, so it just takes the acid out. So that's the key thing is like, you can you can get through and not and not break your fast by doing that. Now a fresh green juice will break your fast because as healthy as it is, there's still going to be some sugars in in, in the right. greens, right? Um, but that's why in the morning, I'll use a dehydrated greens because it won't break the fast. Later on in the afternoon, I love fresh green juice. I'll, I'll do that later. And then there's other things you can do. You can do like the chia seeds and water. Um, I'll do like a uh, what I call a belly fat burning shot, which is another great way to um, get over cravings. I'll take a um, tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil, mm-hmm. and then I'll take the juice of half of a lemon. I'll mix those together, and then I'll drink that on an empty stomach. And again, you're getting those healthy fats. The lemon is lots of minerals, really minuscule amount of sugar. And then what happens is it basically goes to the liver and gallbladder, squeezes out all that bile, which is the toxins which hold on to fat. So not only does it get rid of the bloat in the stomach, it helps your body become more fat adapted. You can cheat your fast, but it helps you burn off belly fat. So it's Ooh, a great bio for people. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a cool thing. It's cool. So then I'll, I'll work out if I can, when I can, let's say 11 o'clock. Because now the glycogen levels are depleted. My body's in its prime fat-burning state. So now you literally become a fat-burning machine. And then after that, I'll break the fast. Usually I'll do like a smoothie, um, which has no sugar in it. So I'll just put stuff together, whatever I have in the pantry. Right. But I'll get like eight I'll get like um, eight ounces of filtered water, maybe a quarter cup of full-fat coconut milk. Great company called Native Forest that makes a good one. And then I'll just throw in lots of good stuff. I'll throw in a big handful of spinach, a handful of sprouts, some cacao powder. I'll throw in my greens, my minerals, maybe some protein powder, some chia seeds, you know, just some raw almond butter. It tastes great. Here's where I wouldn't put something like blueberries, which I love. I call them brain berries. I wouldn't put them in that smoothie or a banana because I want to keep that metabolic fat burning going after my workout because I'm really in that fat burning state. So if I put sugar in right then, again, the body's going to stop that process right away. It'll start to burn off the sugar. So you can do that a little bit later. So I'll have a smoothie like that. I'll go into a cold shower for two or five minutes. It's brutal for the first 10 seconds, but after that, it's fine. Freezing cold, guys. I'm talking about freezing cold. Yeah, like Wim Hof cold. Exactly, exactly. It creates thermogenesis where your body has to keep on revving up its metabolism to keep its core temperature buffered and stable. So fat burning continues. And then 45 minutes, hour later, I'll have like a a big acid kicking salad with lots of rainbow vegetables. Um, I'll avoid vinegar unless it's apple cider vinegar because all the other vinegars have yeast and sugar. I'll put extra version olive oil, lemon juice, and uh, maybe a little piece of wild caught salmon and some hemp seeds. And that's kind of the way I, I live. But I'm always looking to really take whatever I do and say, how can I make that a little bit better? Maybe it's not going to be like that every day, but if I could do one or two things better today, man, I'm moving that needle forward. You talk about intermittent fasting and getting your body to be depleted of the sugar so that you're in a fat burning state. So, and you talk about the state of being hangry. I'm often in that state. I feel like I can't do a workout without having eaten two hours before because I feel like I will maybe be starving on my workout. Like, and when I say workout, I don't mean like a 45-minute class. I mean I'm going out for a four-hour bike ride or I'm going to do an hour run. And I know you're an athlete and you've done several ultra marathons, so you know what I'm talking about. I have two questions. One is, are you saying that actually a shorter 
you know, intense workout is good to do before you come out of the intermittent fast to really kick off the fat burning. But do you also think it's okay to kind of do that and do a longer workout or are they different? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a really good question. It doesn't matter what the workout is. You just need to move your body. And okay. That's the thing. It's like we just got to get into motion. That is critical. And here's the thing is like when you're craving something, the first thing I tell people to do is drink a big glass of water because many times you just might be dehydrated. Right. Um, and make that water more powerful, maybe uh, some lemon water or maybe some greens. Um, and then wait a few minutes. And then if you're still hungry, then just start to move your body. Maybe bounce on a trampoline for five minutes or um, do some yoga or do some vibration. I mean, there's so many different things you can do. Yeah. Because a lot of times it just might be that emotional eating. So motion is emotion. It changes your endorphins, your keflons. Then you won't crave it. And after that, you can go for a healthy snack. So that's one, that's one rule. And, um, I, I want to tell, um, after this, um, the difference between my first marathon where I really went into acidosis shock, um, and, and, and was really nervous about, about my health. And then my ultra marathon where I literally went, um, and did a six hour race. I did 31 miles and basically I did it on no food at all because my body was burning fat. But here's the thing is you can't, there's something called reactive hypoglycemia, which means right. when you're insulin resistant, when you constantly are dumping sugar, insulin start the body, like, so you, you're creating so much insulin to get that sugar down, you'll get like a massive drop. So then you get actually, you, you have to give the body something, right? So for people like that, who are really craving sugar in the beginning, you don't want to try intermittent fasting because again, your willpower might make might make you do it, but it's not the healthiest way. So what I recommend people do, let's say, let's say you're, you're grazing, which is not really good for your body. There's a lot of people out there say, Oh, it's good for you. It's good for your metabolism. Yes. It's good for your metabolism, right. but there's way more downside than upside because you're dumping insulin into the blood. So look at all your snacks you're eating. The goal right now for, for all those people in that phase is get to three meals a day. If you have all these snacks in between, what we first want to do is take those unhealthy, probably fast carb snacks and make those snacks more, um, more healthy snacks, more snacks that have healthy fats and some protein in it. So an example would be like a celery bow where you're getting a celery stick, some raw almond butter, some hemp seeds. Uh, maybe you're doing a green apple slice, which is lower in sugar than red apples, some raw nut butter, a little cinnamon, which is great for insulin resistance. I mean, we give tons of these examples in the book. So you're swapping a bad snack for a good snack. So you keep doing that for whatever amount of days you need to until you start to feel better. And then the goal is to take those snacks. Let's say you're doing seven snacks a day to bring that down to one snack mid-afternoon, one snack mid-morning. So now you're eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Instead of doing all those snacks, you're doing one snack mid-morning, one, one snack, snack. mid-afternoon. Do that for as ever long as you need to. And then the goal is once you're feeling good enough, because now you're changing your body, it's healthier, you're getting more nutrients, you remove those two snacks. Now you're doing three meals a day with no snacking in between. And that's great because you get those healthy macros in. You want greens. You want healthy fats. You want protein. You want fiber-rich, slow-burning carbs for each meal. Now with no snacks in between, we're doing what I said before. Sugar drops, insulin drops. We start to burn more fat. So what I'm doing here is I'm slowly bringing you in a healthy way that's not going to give you those cravings, that's giving you more nutrients and strength foods that's going to get you to intermittent fasting. So by the time you're there, you're set up for success. You're not going to basically do it on willpower. So right. now you're doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, no snacks. Now the next step is to take breakfast. So we're doing that 12-hour fast overnight. You take breakfast, let's say it's 8 o'clock, and then you move that breakfast to 9 o'clock every day. So again, you can do that for one day, three days, whatever your time is. So you're doing 9 o'clock, lunch is at 12, and then you move 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Do that for as many days as you need to. 10 o'clock goes to 11, 
11 o'clock goes to 12. Congratulations, you have now arrived at intermittent fasting, but you did it on your time schedule. Right. And you did it in a way that didn't deprive the Which body. Which is organic for you. And it's, it's really, it, what I'm hearing is that we've been conditioned to think about all these things on like a, an emotional level or like, you know, like when I talk about me having like low blood sugar, meaning, you know, I don't eat for like five hours and then I want to like kill people. Or <laughs> if like I go Angry. out. Yeah. I mean, I don't really eat a lot of sugar, but it's, it's not, it's a chemical reaction in your body. It's not like emotional. It's not in your head. It's real. So you have to train your body to digest food differently, to burn fat and not need sugar. And then you're emotional levels of the ups and downs even out because your body is using the fuel that you put in and the good foods in a more efficient way. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like premium fuel, you know, and, and what you give your body, your body's going to use. And when you give it dirty fuel that creates oxidative stress that creates cancer down the road or heart disease it or whatever way it goes. Pipes. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So we are what we eat. But I would say actually one step further, we're what we digest, absorb, and assimilate. So um, that's why we do further testing. We do like MRT testing, which is a food sensitivity test, not to tell you, are you allergic to the food? It tells you, are you digesting that food right. so that your, your microbiome is not going to attack it because you didn't fully digest it. So microbiome health is such an important part. Every I do live blood cell testing. I see candida in every client. It should never get into the blood. It's okay to live in the gut, but that's the thing is that so many times we've created so much candida and yeast in the body because of this processed, you know, sugar, stress eating diet that that's what we're feeding. We're literally feeding these little uh, opportunistic parasites in our body. Um, so you want to if you if you know that five hour, Marnie, is your time. Right. Don't let yourself get to that five hour mark. And what's the most important thing? We got to get minerals into your diet because that's the first step. When you're craving sugar, when we have those hangry symptoms, the number one thing that the body's not getting is those minerals. And the top of the list is magnesium. We have to understand is that every time we pump sugar into our body, your body needs 54 molecules of magnesium to neutralize only one molecule of sugar. So think about how many times we've eat sugar. We have become massively depleted in magnesium. magnesium yeah, and I know that my magnesium huge. levels are low. It's interesting because I never noticed it until COVID times and being in quarantine and working from home. But and I don't know if it's a result of that, just paying attention. But I actually, I used to wake up and eat and then work out like two hours later. But now I wake up, I have coffee and I don't, I haven't even eaten yet. And it's like 1230, you know, I, I have not had an ounce of food in my body. I feel fine. I'm a little hungry. I'm not craving sugar. I'm, I think I'm craving food, but it's like, you know, <laughs> I'm definitely seeing the value, not from a like fitness perspective, but just, I feel better. I'm more in my flow of food and diet. Like I don't feel like I need to eat something when I wake up. I'm actually like not even hungry. And I think that I've sort of trained myself yeah. subconsciously over the past year to do that. But I was asking about the coffee because I do, I do have, now I'm using the Alchemind product, but I was having creamer in my coffee. That's what I say. Most people wake up, they, they put sugar and fake creamer in their coffee. It's like they're having a milkshake for breakfast. Yeah. I mean, I, that, I'm going to blame that on my partner right now on the podcast because I never had creamer before. I met her. It's her fault entirely. I'm not taking any <laughs> accountability. And now I'm addicted. Good. You know, this is something that as an athlete that comes up a lot, you know, and especially when 
I started training, I used to use honey instead of gels. And I refused, refused to use gels. And I would do all real food. But then when I got into some of the longer distance races, you know, beyond an Olympic or a sprint, like you do, there is a real difference between taking a gel and honey where you feel it doesn't last as long as fuel. And so I guess how does this philosophy and your approach to fueling as someone who is an athlete or runner, a marathoner, an ultra marathoner, like how does this philosophy and your approach apply to people who are endurance athletes that are trying to be healthier in addition to being physically fit? How does it translate? We have to remember that a healthy body can do so much more. And in one word, health is your energy. That's like the, the most important takeaway. And, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I played soccer in college. I was always like a fast sprinter. It was like, I hated long dis- distance running. If you told me in college, I'd be running ultra marathons. I would say that you're absolutely crazy. And it's just, I think it had so much to do is yes, the type of twitch fibers that my muscle had, but also the way that I ate, you know, again, it's like, um, I didn't have that energy to sustain me for the long run because I was so addicted to sugar. I was the kid on the bus that everyone liked to hang out with because I had a huge bag of candy every single time. But then after my injury, when I became a chiropractor, I stopped playing soccer. I also dislocated my right shoulder 12 times. Originally playing soccer and it became so unstable, it got to the point where I'd be sleeping and it would pop out in my sleep. I had to literally do like a Mel Gibson and lethal weapon and pop it back in. And I was surfing in Hawaii um, and that's when I I was going to take one last wave and I had a bad wipeout. It's like the washing machine popped out and I I couldn't pop it back in. And uh, eventually I actually went against a a palm tree, did one of those as the ambulance arrived and I got it back in, but that, that was like, I have to get this thing fixed. So I ended up getting surgery for this, but these were all things that kind of like my body was always getting injured always. And it's because I can never repair itself because sugar just destroys your tissue. Sugar metabolizes into lactic acid. Acid is corrosive. Think about what that, what that means. Acid is so corrosive. It could burn a hole through metal. It's eating you alive. And that's why dairy is bad because dairy metabolizes to lactic acid. It's loaded with, uh, with lactose. It doesn't give you strong bones. It actually leaches uh, calcium from your bones because of the high acid content. And this is not my opinion. This is all in the research. And I actually gave it in the book. There's 10 times more calcium than um, there is magnesium, which is such an imbalanced ratio. To be able to absorb the calcium, it needs to be a one-to-one ratio. So these are all things I started to learn and inv- I became an investigator from my own injuries. And that was like one of the key things that really got me into long distance running. I wanted to do something because I knew I couldn't play soccer again. And, and um, I didn't surf really as much anymore. And I, I loved, I had this competitive nature to me. So I said, I'm going to do running. I, um, one of my mentors is a guy named Stu Middleman. I heard him speak at a, a Tony Robbins conference and it just connected with me. He's talking about the alkaline diet. This guy would run from San Diego to New York doing two marathons a day until he arrived at New York. And he's a local New Yorker like us. So I called him up and um, after one of, uh, I was out in the Palm Desert and after one of uh, Tony Robbins uh, uh, conferences, I had no voice from the conference, but I did my first run with him. I started to learn about how to train my body to go about this differently. Because when I would run, I like, I would come out of my apartment, I take off. My body would not know that it's in, it's in, because here's the thing. It's like, you always have to ease into your workout. That's my number one yeah. most important rule. Yes. Um, whether it's rebounding, you know, doing a, 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 an Anna Kaiser class or going out for a run or doing long distance, you have to give it yourself eight to 10 minutes of easing into it. So your body 
doesn't know that it's in danger. What I would do is I would go out and just start running right <laughs> off to the races. Right. Your body thinks you're running from a saber-toothed tiger. So what happens, it goes right into fight or flight. And when you're in fight or flight, you start burning sugar. And you mentioned, you know, when the pandemic happened, yes. um, for so many people, why they actually started stress eating more is because we were marinating in our cortisol, which is our stress hormone that puts your body into fight or flight. So just like the saber toothed tiger, all right, your body doesn't know the difference. It thinks you're in danger 24 seven because the because of the stress. So now we go for more sugar and we burn sugar because the body wants to get out of danger. So this right. is it, this all ties into exercise and long distance running. So basically I started training with Stu and he taught me how to change my running based on my exertion level. So usually I'd run at like a nine or 10, uh, paid like you right. know, nine out of 10, like boom. So I had to really slow it down because my heart rate was through the, through the roof. Yes. And my first marathon I ran in Pittsburgh, that's where my wife is from. And, uh, my ego got in the way I had a, a time number I wanted to reach. And I'll never forget this at mile 22, my parents were there watching. I literally bombed <laughs> out my Sorry, body. I'm, I my just I know that. Marty, yeah. Oh, it was, it was bad, but like my heart rate went up to 200. I mean, it was, I, I was so intent on getting this number. I was so ego driven. This is the best part about it. I'm like dying the last mile. I'm like trying to make it heart rate is over 200. I crossed the finish line. My first marathon, I missed the time I wanted by one minute. It was great Did you because fall on the me, ground and pass out. <laughs> oh, it was worse than that. I started, my body went into lactic acid shock because what, what happens is, is that your body stops aerobic respiration. Your body yeah. stops burning oxygen for fuel. It goes into what we call anaerobic metabolism. And when that happens, you don't have oxygen. So the body starts to ferment sugar to give you that energy. It's the same process that creates cancer, by the way, cancer cells. So in that process of fermenting sugar, the byproduct is lactic acid. So the body went into literally acidosis and I started going into convulsions. It was insane. Um, I couldn't move. Um, my wife is there, um, or it was, uh, you know, and, and all the families at the time. So I literally had to bring me right back to the hotel. Um, I filled up a bath immediately. I dumped in like uh, three or four cups of Epsom salts. And I jumped into that because Epsom salts is magnesium sulfate. And that basically goes in transdermally, neutralizes the acid. Within two minutes, it took me out of that lactic acid Oh, shock. that's a good idea. But again, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 the greatest thing. If ever you're um, if ever you're not feeling well, it's a great way to detoxify the body. I'll throw in two cups Epsom salts, one cup of baking soda, and some essential oils. It's a great thing after um, any form of intense yeah. exercise. Um, so that was like such an eye opener. Number one, get your ego out of the way. Yeah. Do this because you Lots love it. Lots of runners learn that the hard you... way. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I did. Don't I did definitely. And then I just started training with this new mindset of fueling my body, alkalizing, eating more healthy fats, um, getting my macros down. And it's incredible. Literally within about three months, um, my entire training changed. I was running 18, 20 miles in Central Park and I needed no fuel at all. Um, but for anybody that wants to go that distance and they need something, there's healthier ways to go about it. And, and yeah. I'm happy to talk about some of the things that I learned. So that was your first marathon. And then what are some of the other races? Because I know you've done ultra marathons and all kinds of endurance races. So like maybe talk to me a little bit about that since we're on the topic of your training and racing and yeah. And now you're like a zone two guy. You're like running at a lower <laughs> heart rate zone two. Now I'm running after my three-year-old and six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. 
Yeah, and, and getting exercise in every day when I can. Um, and that's why no matter what, when I wake up, I'm always bouncing on a rebound. I, I drink a green juice the second I get up and I bounce on a rebounder for at least 10 minutes just to move my body. I'm always going to get that second exercise in when I can. But listen, life happens sometimes, and yeah. I always want to move my body at, at some point. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I actually started out in tries. You know, I, I would do the New York, uh, the New York try. Um, and, uh, that's kind of was the first race that I did, but I realized that running was more my thing. Um, not swimming because of my shoulder. Yeah. Uh, when I jumped in that Hudson river and, uh, I was getting hit by like tree trunks and people punching <sighs> and kicking me. I'm like, all right, I'm yeah. going to stick to the running part. I'm better at that. So, um, yeah, I just started doing more and more races. You know, the New York marathon was one of my most favorite races I ever did. And, um, that was a crazy story because that's when my father was driving down from, uh, from Vermont to come watch me race with my mom. And that's when he had the accident on 91 South, which is uh, from the cancer. The cancer um, in his esophagus was so corrosive, he actually was bleeding out and had no idea. So they're driving 70 miles per hour and the car starts to do this. My mom looks over because she was knitting and my dad was literally passed out against the window. Oh my God. 70 miles per hour. That's so um, scary. So anyway, that, that's the, that's the very short version of, um, of how he became aware or how we became aware of his cancer. They were coming down to watch my New York marathon. Um, and it's a, it's a miracle they didn't die in a car accident um, and how my mom just reacted. And um, anyway, crazy, crazy story. But that's what led to the story, as I said before. Um, but, yeah, I've done I've done, um, you know, many marathons. I've done a few tries. But um, and then I started ultras. The ultras that I would do, which I really love, would be six hour races. And basically, and there's a great one in Staten Island I would always do, you would run for six hours as much as you can run and that's it. But this course was insane. There were hills like this and it wasn't like a flat course. It was like this. So um, I use this kind of, this model of always maintaining that same exertion level of five to seven. For me, that's the gray area where you're fusing aerobic and anaerobic, anaerobic metabolism, but you're not going past what's called the lactic acid threshold. Um, so basically, if I – and it took me a few times to learn this. You can do it with a heart rate monitor, which is too much to get into now. But that's what I did. I could literally know my heart rate within five beats just from knowing my exertion level. That's how well I train my body. That's um, great. That's really a talent. It's, it's 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 fun. It, you know what? It's it's. I'm not talented at all. And when no, it comes but to that running, is a talent. That is really good to be able to do. It it is it is. So like that was always my thing. Now I can I could run five to the five. If I'm in that five to seven exertion level, so I'd always ask myself, what exertion level am I in? I look at my heart rate. What exertion level am I am I in? And that's what took me a few months to really learn and understand. Um, and uh, Stu has a great book called Slow Burn where he talks about um, this in detail. So uh, you can really get more specifics on that. I love it. Um, so when you're going up that huge hill, you know, if you're using that same exertion level that you're on flat, guess what's going to happen? You're going to burn more oxygen, more fuel. So it's like the roller coaster. When it goes up that hill, it goes slower. So to, if I want a, a sixth exertion level, when I go up the hill, I need to go slower, right? Right. Because you've got to maintain six. At the top of the hill, you're flat. I can go my normal pace. And then down the hill, I can go faster because it's less exertion. So that's the kind of mindset I have every time I'm running out there, no matter what the terrain is. Um, so even if I'm not wearing a heart rate monitor, I just know if I'm keeping a five to seven exertion level, right. I'm going to be in a really great metabolic state where I'm not going to be creating too much acid and, and my body's right in that nice kind of that, that in-between zone. Um, so I would run on average 31, 32 miles in six hours. But here's the craziest thing is that it was actually easier for me to do these ultras than it was for me to do the marathons because when you do a marathon when you start 
you know that you have to get to that distance, right? Right. Uh, 26.2 miles. But here's the problem is that most people think of that, that number, 26.2, 26.2. And then we, we lose the psychology. So every time I ran a marathon, I was running one mile 26 times. I was running from water station to water station. And that was my treat. That was my goal. I right. had minerals in my pocket. So I would put minerals in my mouth. Um, a good blend of, of, of acid kicking minerals. So it would go in transdermally. So that's what I would do every mile. I would drink water. When I got to the water stations, I would stop. I would like everyone goes, they grab it, they throw it. It's like, yeah, yeah. like I would stop. I would, I would drink the water. I would thank the people there. I, I would have gratitude. I would just really just take in the moment. And then like a bird taking off, I just slowly get back into it. And that's how I did every marathon. But still, it was it was everyone knows you got to get the twenty six point two. So yeah. most of us go too hard when you're doing an ultra, and you're just basically you know you're going to run for six hours. You pace yourself the whole time. So I kept my exertion level pretty steady, and um, I'll never forget my first ultra. Um, it was uh, my me and my wife's anniversary. We had a great dinner that night. We had a wedding the next day. I was dancing. I had no soreness, no pain. I felt incredible. I went on like an eight mile run the next day. So. Um, I couldn't have gotten there if it wasn't for the diet. I was just um, going to say, so, if, yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this whole time of me learning how to, how to, how to run better. I fueled my body with this strength eating diet. I alkalized, um, I got minerals and it's amazing how I was able to just run and run and run. And my body just never got tired because it goes back to what we we're talking about with intermittent fasting. I had trained my body to become metabolic flexible and start to burn fat for fuel. Um, so whether you're doing a long run or a workout or you want to do a warrior fast or intermittent fast, as you start to become more fat adapted, yes, you'll lose weight. You'll have more energy. Your body's going to do um, something called autophagy where it gets rid of the bad damaged cells. It makes stem cells. I mean, your microbiome reset, there's so many benefits to it. But for me, my best, my greatest asset of learning this lifestyle was my energy. I mean, literally, and, and now I'm 45 today. I have more energy than I did in my early 20s. Right. Um, I measure my biological age. My, I do it every birthday. I measure my biological age, uh, which we'll do with you when, we, when you come yeah. up to the office. And I, and I got one year younger this year. Last year, I was 33. This year, I became 32. My, um, so my, it just goes yeah. to show, guys, that age is just a number. It's a chronological number. Um, it's all based on epigenetics, which is your lifestyle choices, how you eat, how you think, how you move. All those things are going to determine how we age. And we definitely can turn back the clock on aging and improve our performance and our recovery based on the foods that we eat. It's all about strength eating. I definitely have seen the benefits of this. In your office in New York City, in your wellness center, you offer live blood analysis and you also offer epigenetic aging and stress tests. What are some of the biomarkers that you look at? So there's two tests I love. One is the live blood cell analysis. We could talk about in a second. The other one is what you just call the epigenetic aging and stress test. So basically, it's a heart rate variability test. Very, very powerful. Uh, it's a research shows more powerful indicator of cardiovascular health and brain system health uh, more so than cholesterol. I mean, it's just such a powerful biomarker. So you're doing heart rate variability for five minutes. It's a really um, easy test. You don't feel anything but basically it gives you 12 different biomarkers. Um, it looks at your nerve system. So it tells you, are you in sympathetic nerve system, which is fight or flight? Um, are you parasympathetic, which is rest and digest? And one's not more important than the other. I can tell you most New Yorkers are heavily sympathetic driven, especially now with the pandemic. 
And then it tells you if your adrenals and your hormones are taking over because you've been so burned out for so long, so much in fight or flight. Um, it tells you how much energy your nerve system is putting out. Um, it looks at your recovery rate. Um, so, you know, if I'm taking a, an exercise class, it's like your recovery going out and even going in is critical. But also your recovery to deal with lifestyle choices or lifestyle stressors and things like that. Um, it looks at how well your recovery is. It looks at if you are a fat burner or a sugar burner. So it gets down to that metabolic flexibility so we can actually see, are you burning fat as your primary source of fuel? Um, it tells you how you're managing stress. And again, uh, most of us in here in New York, the stress is managing us. So we're getting all these amazing biomarkers. And then from these biomarkers, like we'll get an objective baseline, then we can retest down the road once we put in a protocol to start to help your body deal with the stress. It looks at brain system health. Um, it tells you, are you in alpha, beta, data, delta, um, theta or delta? Um, so we'll see this like big spike on delta, which basically means brain fog. It tells me that um, people have inflammation of the brain. So now I got to start to think, how can we get their brains healthier? You know, they're 28 or they're 35 right. or they're 40 and they're dealing with brain fog. You know, they can't remember things. And this is a very real thing. You know, yeah. dementia in our early ages, early onset dementia. So we'll start to give them the neuroprotectors that the brain needs. The first neuroprotector is magnesium. The second brain neuroprotector is omega-3 fatty acids, critical fish oil. The third one is B vitamins. I love black seed oil. Um, we'll do things like brain taps. So we start to rewire the brain. So there's all these things that we do based on this objective data that we get. And people's favorite, it's the uh, biological age test where you actually right. see really what your aging is based on based on your age. And um, I'm I had 10 a patient years yesterday. Like, yeah. Yes. Yes. Awesome. We're going to make you 15 years. I younger. want to get there. Um, yeah. It, it was cool. Um, and then we do the live blood cell testing, which is my favorite. Um, you know, there's a saying, what you inspect, you respect. And it's true. You, re you will. Um, and everybody's visual. Um, I posted a great visual on Instagram yesterday of a client who just turned 50 years old. She came to consult me about four months ago. Um, so we did um, her live blood cell testing. Then we did some other cool stuff like a GI map test, which is a microbiome DNA stool sample Ooh, test. That's cool. Um, but but oh, yeah, it's, I've it's, heard of it. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's awesome. So we did her live blood cell test four months ago and all of her red blood cells were stuck together, which is not good. I call that blood sludge. Remember the red blood cell carries your hemoglobin. And that's the bad thing about people who eat a lot of sugar because the sugar basically attaches to that red blood right. cell and it causes that red blood cell to deteriorate prematurely. That's why one of the most important blood markers on a blood test is called the HbA1c, um, which basically looks at your blood cir circulating sugar levels over about four months or so, as opposed to like your fasting glucose, where it gives you that one moment mm -hmm. uh, of time. So we literally can see, I take a drop of blood from the fingertip, we put under the microscope, we magnify that at 25,000 times. And on an HD screen, we look at your alive blood and we literally see everything that's going on. It, we're looking at how your epigenetics, how you eat and all that stuff I said before is affecting you down to the cellular level. We're measuring toxicity, leaky gut, hormone imbalances. Um, I was doing uh, a test where I saw a parasite pop out of a blood cell. <laughs> we see candida. So, I mean, it's incredible the things that we see, but because it's no, visual, the, yeah. it's very motivating. It's like, I don't have to say anything. I tell them this is normal. This is what we shouldn't see. This came out of their finger. The blood never lies. So the coolest thing was... Um, my patient turned 50 and uh, she's from Hawaii. So she came in wearing a lei. It was really super cool. And she looked amazing. Um, among, amongst other things, she had melasma, which I had many, many years ago. 
Um, and uh, as I started drinking lots of green juice and chlorophyll, it literally got rid of my melasma because your skin, just like your taste buds and like every other cell, always replaces itself. So that's why the green juice is so powerful. It's the same molecular shape as your red blood cell. So um, we retested her. Her skin looked incredible, by the way. Um, she looked amazing. Her energy, she's just saying how good she felt. So all those amazing things. I knew we were going to see better results on the blood. But when we, I, I took out the new drop, I showed her the old pictures because you know, it was four months ago. I put the new, uh, the new blood sample on. The first thing she says was WTF. Um, and it, it was so funny. I was, I was like almost shocked, right? But it was a good WTF. She was, she was so excited because every cell was round, That's crazy. separated, glowing, oxygenated, alkaline. There was, no, there was very minimal amounts of candida, which means we healed up her leaky gut. So it was so nice just to have that, yeah, just to have that validation for her that all the work she's put in at, at, at strength eating, improving her diet, getting off sugar and acid, it literally shows itself. So I love to do things like this because it motivates us. We get great data. I can give you a specific protocol based on what your body needs because it's not one size fits all, Marnie. We are all unique biochemically. And we got to really make this about what your deficiencies are. I'll tell you what the, the top five supplements we all should be taking every single day, including my two little ones, but it goes beyond that. You offer nutrition and detox, nutrition consultation and detox programs within your wellness center in New York City. But are you also doing all of this virtually? Can someone from anywhere around the world call you to sign up to work with you and do one of your detox programs? hundred percent. Yeah. I, I coach clients all around the world. I guess that's one of the silver linings of this crazy pandemic is it really pushed us all into this virtual mode. So um, I'm able to help people, you know, via zoom and things like that. And uh, we are able to offer, you know, we can't do live blood cell testing, but um, we can send them kits where we're measuring inflammation levels. It's an at-home test kit. We can send them the GI map test, which is really where all inflammation starts. It's an at-home DNA stool sample test. We can send them the MRT kit. Um, so there's different things. But before I even do that, you know, I, I'll get on with clients and just look at the three basic things. Like, how's your diet? What are your goals? How's your diet? And start to help them make changes in their diet. Get them on the right supplements because the reality is, is that we all have to take supplements. What are the supplements that we should all be taking that we really just can't get from food at the level that we need to get them? Yeah, I'm always going to tell you guys what I do. Um, and here's the most important thing about that, which is I believe in supplements, but you can't supplement your way out of a bad diet. Um, so many people think that they could just start like 20 supplements, which is way too much anyway, and that's going to fix you. But no, it's like, you know, if there's all this rubble there, you can't build a garden on top of that. you got to clean it out first. So um, we got to clean up the diet. we got to get the right supplements in. And then we also have to address um, some of these lifestyle blocking factors that's really making us stress so we can manage the stress. So those are the three buckets that I really start with. Um, but in the book, I talk about the, the, the top five. I mean, every, every morning I wake up, it's immediate, right to the kitchen, scoop of my green powder in water. Um, I'm hydrating, but I'm alkalizing. One scoop of those acid-kicking greens gives you um, five servings of organic greens. So that's what I do without fail every morning. My three-year-old daughter does it. My six-year-old son does it. My wife does it. Minimum, I do that every morning. And then at nighttime, I do a scoop of my minerals. So that's like how I start and that's how I finish. Do your minerals, just for any of my athlete listeners, they're amazing to put in your water if you're doing a long run or a long ride or even for recovery. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent, because that's the biggest depletion that we get is our minerals. And then if we're deficient in minerals, the body robs Peter to pay Paul. 
the body starts to draw calcium from the bones to throw it into the blood to neutralize all the acid, which is the cause of osteoporosis, osteopenia. It is not a calcium deficiency, everybody. This is the biggest lie we've been told to believe. If we put extra calcium in the body, it's like the bullet in the, in the body. Um, we need more magnesium. Okay. So that's where we start. So every time I always do my minerals at night, and then when I'm working out, I'll do my minerals right before, during, or right after. So I'm usually getting two of those in a day because of to, to neutralize the acid. So the big five that we need, number one is magnesium. My favorite are magnesium glycinate, magnesium threonate, uh, magnesium citrate, and even magnesium gluconate. Not magnesium oxide, it has, which you can only absorb 4%. And it's such a high pH that your body has to dilute that high alkalinity, which is not good either. And uh, you start to secrete all this water in your gut to do that, to bring the pH back. You have to look at other ingredients. It's like citric acid. In, and this is something that as I, as I created my own supplements, I learned like really what was good and what was bad. And just because the label looks pretty doesn't mean that it's good for you. So, you know, I always say if you can't pronounce it, you can't digest it. So look at those ingredients. But even something like citric acid, which years ago came from harmless lemons and pineapple, it's become so expensive. So now many of these manufacturers are taking it from Aspergillus fungus, which is actually a cancer causing fungus. And you have to look at other things like sucrose and dextrose. And this is where the manufacturers really got us, which is there's over 62 different yeah. names for sugar. Uh, yes. So you won't see sugar on the label anymore. You might see cane sugar in like uh, in almond milk. So if you're looking for almond milk, Please get the unsweetened without carrageenan, without cane sugar. But you'll see all these other names like maltodextrin, maltose, and those are all hidden names for sugar. So the first ingredient on the label constitutes the highest amount of that specific product. So now when you add up maltodextrin and dextrose and maltose, it's like, man, there's a whole lot of sugar in there that we had no idea. And why do they do that? They do it because they want the product to taste good, right? I get that part, but you can't compromise the health of the product. So Every time I put something in my body, I'm always looking at the label. You know, I'm always having my clients send me labels that they're unsure about. Clean label is critical. Less ingredients, better. Less is always more. And just try to get, you know, really the most healthy forms of minerals. So magnesium is really where we start. Um, there's three or four that I love. And here's the thing is that magnesium by itself is okay in the short run. But what you don't want to do is have magnesium by itself in the long run because it will deplete your other minerals. So um, I like a well-balanced mineral formula. You can add extra magnesium to that because I think most people need to take extra magnesium because it's so important for your brain, for sugar addiction, uh, for your nerve system, for the enzymes, the cofactors for enzymes in your body. The second is omega-3 fatty acids. So important. My wife is a vegan with an asterisk. She uses fish oil. And it was so important that she did. And she started that when my son Brayden was born or when she was pregnant with Brayden because that's the most important nutrient that the baby steals from mommy. The number one cause of postpartum depression is omega-3 deficiency. So she started taking fish oil. And by the way, when we measured her, her omega-3 to 6 ratio, she had the only one-to-one -one ratio I've ever seen. She beat me. I was two-to-one. I was so proud of her. Yeah, I coach a lot of vegans and vegetarians. I have so much respect for their health philosophy, but they have a lot of times more inflammation than meat eaters because they take out the meat and in place of that, there's a lot of crappy carbs and sugar, omega-6 unhealthy fats. So we need to take omega-3s. It's responsible for 96,000 preventable deaths every year. And remember, the brain needs it. The brain is 60% fat. Is there a certain time of day that you should take it? So I've been thinking about taking an omega-3 and taking fish oil. And when I got your package with the Alchemind brand of products, which 
you have a fish oil, which it looks great and I'm going to start taking it, but it definitely, I have a sensitive stomach. So I haven't taken it yet. I have in the past had some issues with fish oil just with my stomach. So is there a better time of day to take it? Yeah. Phenomenal question. So there's two things we'd have to investigate. Number one, is the fish oil pure? Because if the fish oil is rancid, um, then that can create, you know, fish burps, um, bad taste and, and all that stuff. So that's one thing. Um, so really knowing your brand is critical, you know, making sure it's pure. I remember when we launched, we just relaunched that fish oil. Um, it's got the ideal two to one ratio of omega threes uh, or a VPA to DHA, which is so important. But I literally did a video where I bit it open. It's we triple um, purify it to get rid of all the bad stuff. But there is zero taste to it. So um, I would recommend um, for you. Um, have it with your largest meal of the day um, and perhaps maybe have it right at the beginning of the meal. Because for some people, if they have the fat on top of the meal, it can get caught in transit and then it can actually go rancid. So have it maybe at the beginning of your meal so the food pushes it down. Um, but the other thing I would say is let's make sure that you're metabolizing your fats the right way. As we all get older, um, we produce less enzymes in our pancreas, especially lipase, which helps our body break down fat. And also our gallbladder secretes bile salts to help us metabolize fat. So that GI MAP test I was describing before actually measures those things. And when I did my test, I had no idea. I was seeing something in my stool called steatocrit, which is basically fat in my stool. I wasn't metabolize, metabolizing my fats healthy. Um, and I didn't know it because I wasn't getting a symptom when I would have avocado or fish oil. So I had to start taking bile salts just to get my gallbladder a little more cleansed out. So those two things, Yes, yeah, so we have to look at upper GI digestion, make sure that we have the right stuff in action to metabolize fat. And then just as important, make sure that's a really clean, pure fish oil um, so that we know that it's not the fish oil. So you have this great line of alkaline supplements, protein powder, and acid kicking greens, which taste great and minerals, which I've been adding to my water, as I mentioned, and my training and my general overall nutrition. So thank you so much for sending those to me. What inspired you to launch like these specific products and what are some of the products that you are offering? You know, similar to uh, I was talking about before, it's like when I started to get on this, uh, get on this, uh, this health kick to get my body back into shape and to just, just transform my health. Um, I started learning about, about products and reading labels. I realized that how most of the stuff out there is actually not good. So um, the first green juice I, I drank, it tasted like swamp water. I mean, it was more so because my taste buds were so addicted to sugar, um, but it was a pretty harsh green green juice, um, green juice powder. So at that time, I, oh, so I, I was drinking it because I knew it, it was good for my body. So my willpower made me get, I chugged it down, like I'm doing this. Um, and I got through it, right? But then I, I realized that like, I wanted to start giving this to my patients because I felt so good on it. Um, it was a very clean product. It just didn't taste very good. And I gave it to patients and literally after like the first try, they would bring it back and they would re return it. So I'm like, all right, this is not, this is not good. Uh, I was okay with it, but most of them are not. So at that time, I'm like, I realized I need to create something that I'm going to use that is clean enough for me, uh, my family and the people that I love. And that's kind of where Alchemine was born. You know, the company launched in 2014 and it launched with a green juice powder and a mineral powder because that's the core of, of alkaline diet. That's the core of a strength eating diet. That's what we need more of. Um, and it, it took me about a year to create it because again, I was really making sure that we didn't compromise 
the health and integrity of the product is always the most important thing to me with every one of my supplements that we created. Um, and I, I just, I never thought I would ever have a supplement company. I just did it because I wanted something that I was going to use every single day. And that's how it was born. And then, um, uh, a few months after that is when Kelly Ripa came into my office and, you know, after a few days of being on my program, she went on the show and she talked about it, which was really cool. And that just kind of, you know, put us on the map and, um, you know, we just started growing, but I learned at that point how, uh, how many holes there were in our company. It was me and my wife running the company, you know, we were all divisions of the company, um, which was great, you know, and to this day, we still work side by side, which, which I love. Um, but from there, we just started growing and every product I created from that point forward was based on a nutritional deficiency that we needed. Um, you know, so I created a really clean plant-based protein product. We um, created the fish oil, like you talked about, the acid kicking right. coffee, um, the black uh, seed oil. So um, a lot of really cool things like that. And um, we're about to launch acid kicking immunity, which I'm really excited about. Um, a lot of the products out there overstimulate the immune system because that was the big thing with COVID. And um, <laughs> We don't want to overstimulate the immune system because too much of anything is bad. So um, we created this product that primed the immune system. We're using something called Shaga Mushroom. Uh, we found this amazing organic source from the largest organic forest in the world. It's in the Arctic Circle. Um, and Shaga has the largest, le largest levels of beta-glucan, which not only crushes candida, but it's in a powerful immune system primer. Um, so uh, that's something that we create. So I'm always trying to find like, what's a need that our body needs on a daily basis. And that's kind of how we create our products. And it takes us a lot of time to create them because I'm always trying to find the best ingredients, trying to make it as cost effective for, um, for our, you know, our clients. And um, that's, that's where we're at right now. So it's exciting. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun too. You have such a great spectrum of products and education and information and services between your acid kicking, get off your acid, to get off your sugar, to your wellness center in New York City, and now all of your virtual consulting and then your products. It's like, that's amazing. So you are really living the entrepreneur life because I know that you said, you know, it's you, it's your wife. I'm sure you have a team and practitioners in your wellness center in New York. But I mean, what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way that you want to share with listeners as an entrepreneur? Well, I love this question. I would say two things. Role modeling says success leaves clues. Um, early on, I learned by screwing up over and over and over. And some of my greatest lessons ever were by, were by messing up. So I don't regret any of those, but, um, I learned that surround myself around the people that I want to become more like, whether, um, it's business, I have some great business mentors, um, uh, or it's health. You know, um, I, I, if there's something that I want or something I want to learn, I try to find someone that's doing what I want and I just role model what they're doing. And that's how it all started, Marnie. I mean, I looked at my practice early, early on, and I saw 5% of the population that were fit and energetic and had great skin and they slept. I'm like, I want that. And then there was all of us, which I was included in the 95% of the other that lived that stress eating roller coaster. So I just started modeling, you know, um, what is that? Oh, that person's drinking green juice. Oh, that person's taking omegas. Oh, that person's eating a salad. Oh, they're not using vinegar. And I just started doing it and then seeing how I felt. Um, if it didn't felt feel right for me, then I just went on, you know? Um, so that to me is a big thing, which is just um, don't try to do it yourself. Um, find somebody that's doing what you want and <laughs> just try to learn from them because you're going to narrow the gap. And the best part is you'll save time, yeah. energy, and money. Um, I would say the most important thing is your purpose. Um, it's your why. 
Um, it's what drives me to do what I do every single day. It started out as my own sugar story, but it's evolved into something such bigger than that. You know, having my wife, Chelsea, my son, Brayden, my daughter, Leah, my dad that passed away from cancer. Um, I'll never, and I, I wear his ashes on me every single day because this is my purpose, my why. So every time something hits me, something stresses me, I'm in New York right now. My family's out in uh, California right now. I miss them terribly. Um, but like, this is what drives right. me to do what I do. This is what drives me to become a better version of myself. This is what drives me to get up and work out when I'm tired that morning. It's like, we can't have excuses. We got to draw that line in the sand. There's, there's a, a story in the book where I say, if you want to take the island, you got to burn the boats. Are you ready to burn the boats? We got to all raise our standards. But here's the thing is if you don't have that compelling reason why, when stress shows itself, whether it's a pandemic, um, a dad getting cancer or whatever it is, it's the one thing that's going to happen. We're never going to be immune to stress. It's always going to be there. We got to be ready for it. So, you know, I saw the full circle of life with my dad passing away and I was holding his hand when he died. And that was my last vow to him, Marnie. This is the last page of my first book. Um, right before he died, he was in a coma, but I know he heard every word that I said to him. I said, dad, I'm going to do everything in my power to prevent as many people from suffering the way that you did. And then he died right then, literally. Um, so that's, that's it. That's what makes me do what I do. And my daughter, my, we were able to keep, you know, the doctors gave my dad just a few months to live. We were able to through a hundred percent alkaline diet and all the things that we did for him, we were able to prolong his life by three years and it was enough to meet my daughter. So that was such a blessing for me. And um, every day I wake up. Yeah. Every day I wake up. It's, it's, that's what drives me to do what I do. So I would say at the core of what you guys figure out your why spend 10 minutes in a quiet room, get a journal out and just start writing. Um, losing weight could be a fine goal, but like, let's go deep. Like what moves you down to your very soul? What gives you goosebumps? What makes you want to like shake up this world? Once you know this, you're going to know. So spend some time to do that and then read that every, write it down, put it in your pocket, put it on your wall, make a vision board. Um, and every time you wake up, you look at that, it's going to keep you on course, but always go back to that. Why? And I always say, if your why is big enough, your how you're going to find the way, but it's got to have that foundation. That is so such amazing sure, no, advice. I, and I no, do I'm I want to ask your dad's story, but I don't know if you don't want to talk about it. I mean, you want people to read it. I mean, I feel like you've meant I would I mean, and then <laughs> we can wrap and then cuz I'm going to get like my dogs are oh, hustling so around me. They're like hovering. I'll bring one yeah. over if they get close enough. And I also we're going my partner's getting the vaccination today. So she has asthma. Yeah, so we're gotcha. I'm going to go with her to see cuz I'm not totally into it yet I know I have to I I so so yeah so maybe I mean you know you've mentioned your dad and you know I'd love to hear the story of how he discovered he had cancer and what he went through that has been your purpose and driven you to bring us all of these amazing services and products and awareness around health and wellness yeah, my dad was an Italian dad. He was a stubborn, loved, loved him to death. He was such a good father. He never missed a soccer game. He always, him and my mom would always, I mean, they would drive in their van no matter where I was playing soccer. Um, just such great role models. Uh, but he was addicted to sugar. And again, 
I wish I knew what I knew now back then. Maybe this all could be prevented, but you know, my dad is is my symbol for, and we all say that, right? But my dad is now my symbol for for what I do, and um, you know, I've dedicated my first book to him because of that, and everyone out there um, who is dealing with cancer, because it's now overtaken heart disease um, in 21 states. That's the number one killer. Um, it's it's going up at epidemic proportions. And what's changing the toxic exposure in our bodies. And again, sugar and stress is at the top of the list. Um, so he was always, you know, he was always eating sugar. He was always eating cakes and Italian food and all that stuff. Right. But again, we didn't know any difference. Just like when we were talking about us as a kid, that was, that was normal for us. And I always remember this, like he always had this, 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 like kind of this dry cough. And I would always say when I was younger, like, what is that cough? What is that cough? No. No one, he, it never was talked about. He never even went to a doctor and doctors wouldn't even know what it is now. I know what it is now. It was his reflux. It was his silent reflux. And um, reflux is a huge thing. Reflux starts out as something small and innocent. This is, this is one of the biggest things I help people with. Um, it's one I'm most passionate about because the reflux is what causes esophageal cancer. Again, I talked about how acid corrodes. So it all, he was having this kind of silent acid reflux, which was corroding his esophagus. And as I mentioned before, they were driving down on Harford to come see me for the New York Marathon, driving uh, 70 miles per hour when oh my, my mom God. felt that car veer off and she looked over her and he's passed out. And that car goes up into the concrete divider like this, going 70 miles per hour. She grabs his leg off the, uh, off the accelerator, pulls it off, car comes back down, car goes back up. She pulls the keys out of the ignition. This is crazy to even think about this happening. And then the car comes back down, comes to a grinding halt. She thought he was dead. She's bawling, crying. Um, she calls 911. She thought he died of a heart attack or a stroke or whatever. Two and a half minutes later, he comes to. He starts sweating profusely, passes out again. Long story short, yeah, this, it's, 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 yeah. it's like I said, it, you won't even believe this is even real. Um, and I get into the, vivid, the vividness of this in the book. So he comes to, he kind of regains his cognition. 18 minutes later, the ambulance shows up. The car is pinned against the side. So he couldn't, they had to pull him out the other way. They bring him to the hospital. My mom had to follow him in the car. And I'll never forget, I was on, it was the week before Marathon Sunday. It was, it was beautiful. Right. It was like one of those 70 degree day, not a cloud in the sky. I'm doing my last run in Central Park. Um, uh, I'm on mile eight and I was like, life is good. My son is six months old. My parents are coming down. Um, we live on First Avenue um, and uh, uh, 92nd Street, mile 18. They're all going to watch me there. And then that's it's the greatest, right? So that's all I'm thinking of. And it's like, I'm just thinking of all this as I'm doing my last wind down run before the big, before the big day a week yes, later. I have. And then I, I always have my phone in my pocket when I run now because I have a six, I, he was six months at the time, um, just in case of an emergency. So my phone starts buzzing. I look at it and I see a missed call from my brother, my brother, Brandon, he's a little bit older than me. Um, you know, we're very close. So being the goofy brother that I am, I, um, I take like a crazy selfie as I'm running. I text it to him, put it back in my pocket and keep running. Literally 10 seconds later, buzz, buzz again in my pocket. I take it out, call me emergency. At that moment, I just got chills. As I said, I stopped dead in my tracks and Marnie, I don't know if you ever gotten a call or something where all of a sudden your heart just sinks. That's that's what happened. And I knew it was my father. I knew it was my dad. So I call him up and I found out that there was an accident. Um, of course, I, I'm shaken up. We don't know what's going on at the time. Um, we're all thinking it's vascular or something like that. So I go home, you know, I tell Chelsea, you know, what's going on. You know, we uh, rented a zip car and went up to the hospital in Hartford. And this is the craziest thing. I pull into the, the parking lot in the Hartford hospital. There's one spot in the entire parking lot 
And what is it right next to? My mom and dad's car. I pull in. There was not a single scratch on the car from that accident that they had. It's just, it's, it's insane. So anyway, um, that's, it's insane. So they ruled out heart attack. They ruled out stroke and aneurysm and all that. We learned that he was having dark blood in his stool. So the second I hear that, I'm like, oh man, that's digested blood. There's something going on up in here. Um, that's when they did um, the endoscopy and the PET scan. And that's when they dropped the, the bombshell on our family cancer. Um, and this is, this is wild. This is literally a few days later with the oncologist at Sloan Kettering. And I'm wearing my shirt that says, get off your acid. It's the day I launched Alchemine. I'm speaking um, the keynote address at the Holistic Chamber of Commerce um, in New York City that night. And what does the oncologist say word for word is the cause of your dad's cancer? Too much acid. <laughs> Everyone, it just looks at me. It's like, holy. Yeah, it's a sign of, from the universe. Yeah. Yeah, chills. And like we all huddled up and, you know, we didn't know how 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 progressive it was, but we thought that there was hope in it. And there's always hope. And there was and so much so that when my daughter was born three years later and my dad was knee deep in this, we her name is Aaliyah yeah. Hope Joffrey. So we named her Hope yeah. for Hope for my dad. I'm choking up thinking about this right now. Um, but hope for my dad and hope for everybody else out there. So again, you know, that's the mission is strong and and that's that's a why. Like you see how it moves me right now. Like, this is why I, I'll do anything. I'll speak to one person. I'll speak to whoever. Um, I'll take whatever time, no matter how tired I am, because that's how important this is. We got to do this now. Everything we do in this moment, every choice we make is going to determine our life, our longevity. But like we yeah. all we all have procrastinated. That was my story of my life with my sugar addiction. But procrastination is the killer of dreams. We just got to commit, even if it's one thing, Martin, even if it's just one green juice, we have to start right now. Draw that line, step up the standard. So um, so that was it. And again, the doctors gave him just a, a few months. It was so bad. Um, he had chemo because they scared him into it. Um, he did radiation because it was so diseased. He had an 11-hour robotic surgery where they removed two-thirds of his esophagus, half his stomach. They brought the two together so his stomach was up here. Um, but again, they never still address the underlying reason of why the cancer started, which was stress, high sugar diet, all this stuff. Right. So, um, the, the nutritionist yes. there wasn't letting them do anything. Um, I even took a study from 2005 showing that high dose IV vitamin C therapy enhances the effect of chemotherapy, but also helps the immune system. But they said this was done on laboratory rats, not on humans. We're not gonna let it do it. So finally, um, they, they said, there's nothing we could do. Um, we recommend you do another round of chemotherapy. I said, no way. I let him make that choice. I educated him. We watched The Truth About Cancer, all very good close friends of mine. Um, and we decided that at that point, we're going to strengthen his immune system. Um, we're going to do as many things as we can to build up his body. Um, and again, you know, a few months to live turned into three years. It wasn't enough to save his life, but it gave us time. You know, he met my daughter. Um, we did everything. We threw the arsenal. I took him to Mexico. We did stuff from Japan and Germany. I mean, it was incredible, the stuff that I learned, which took my knowledge to a whole new level. So um, here we are now. And, you know. That's wonderful. I mean, we are definitely in a better place, I think, thanks to people like you and other nutritionists and doctors that are, you know, functional medicine practitioners and people that are embracing the philosophy that food is medicine and that we are living longer. And so if we're going to live longer, we want to live healthier. And it's not about how long you live. It's about the quality of your life. And 
So, I mean, you are definitely like, I'm with you. I'm like, I, we share that mission. So I'm so like grateful for you coming on the podcast and for everything that you're putting into the universe. Oh, thank you. And, and I want to thank you for, for everything you're doing to get the message out. And you are a warrior. You're an acid kicker. And we need more people like you that do things like this to get this message out. And you do, but here's what I love about you. And, you know, me and Anna were talking about is you walk the walk. You know, you live this lifestyle. That's the thing. We got to do it. That's Nike doesn't say just try it. They say just do it. And that's the key thing. I don't care what it is. Just start with something. All right. And just go from there and master that one thing. And then you do that. And then you add another and you add another. And before you know it, you're stacking. That's the ultimate goal. Stacking is what creates geometric change in your health. It's, a, it's like another drop in the ocean, drop, drop, drop. And you never know which drop is going to do that magic thing as far as, wow, I feel better or wow, this went away yeah. or that. But you know what? you got to do every drop and just keep on going. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget the, the week after my dad passed, his medical doctor called me up, who was one of those awesome medical doctors. He just like was, was so compassionate. And he says, Daryl, I don't understand most of what you did for your father, but I could tell you it absolutely prolonged his, yeah. his life and his quality of life. And to what you just said, which made me think of that, it's not just about our longevity. It's yeah. about the quality of that longevity. And whether we like it or not, we're living longer. I, I gave that stat about the life expectancy, but we are living longer. But realize that we're in control of our longevity. But more importantly, we're in control of the quality of that longevity. And the quality of the longevity starts with the quality of the choices that you make with what you put into the food. And that's what you got to think about. It's simple, guys. Every time you eat, is that food going to cleanse me or is that food going to clog me? Is that food going to strengthen me or is that food going to make my body more stressed? Is that food going to um, uh, fuel health or is that going to fuel cancer? Is it going to alkalize or is it going to acidify? And that's it. It's, it's fuel. It's not the instant gratification. It's about fueling our body, right? And that's the approach that we just need to go every day, every day. You're absolutely right. This has been awesome. Thank you. I, I just relate to everything you do and I just appreciate you so much. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.